another level, you gon' love this Graduated from a rebel to a revolutionary In my area, they love this I'ma wreck it like I'm revving the engine Heaven's ascension, every dimension Give me attention, look at my soul Look at my heart, look at my hope Got the world on my back, but I carry it though Tell them God got my hand, I ain't letting it go I, I, I came from the side of the ocean Hey, welcome to some and welcome back to others. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Mikey, half of the Black Millennial Marriage Podcast, and this is episode 157 and my first indie in a very long time. Um, I can fix that. Whew. So I took some time, the time that I desperately needed to just get my house in order, but I'm very happy to be back. Um, for anyone unaware, indie episodes are individual episodes that Randy and I record. It's basically a way for us to honor who we are as individuals, and not just who we are as spouses. In my indies, you can look forward to interviews, shout outs to some amazing men or fathers out there who are taking care of business, deeper insight into my thoughts about marriage, life, fatherhood, and more. It's my hope that our new commitment to the pod, um, or with this new commitment to the pod, I'll be able to pick some of the brains of like my favorite people out there and share those conversations with you because I got questions and I would love certain people to answer them. Each of my indies will have three parts. All right. Part one is the main topic, stories or interviews. Um, today, I'm going to catch you up on why I've been away and I'm going to nerd out about some car stuff and I guarantee you will like it and it will all make sense at the end because that's kind of how my brain works. Part two is head nod where I show some respect to someone who's doing something great that I think deserves some recognition. And the man that I want to show love to today is a very special person to me. So please uh, make sure you stick around for that one. And then finally, part three is um, where I leave you with a little something, something to wrap it up. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right. So what had happened was um, uh, I've been a little distant. Um, I haven't really been wanting to record alone. Uh, because of my last indie, I, the last conversation that I had was um, how it's really hard to talk about noble. It's you know it's difficult, and I think in my brain somewhere I thought that that's probably the only thing I should talk about whenever I'm alone because that's the thing that's like heaviest on my mind. That's all I ever really want to talk about while simultaneously not wanting to talk about it all the time at all. It's really weird. Um, one of the people who I love on social media, um, Care Gains. Um, shared a long time ago he was like um he wanted people to like stop reaching out to come and ask him about like therapy stuff he was like every once in a while he just want to like talk about like some shit that's not related to like relationships or couples or mental health um he's like because that's just not fun and um this was like this was forever ago and that stuff kind of like stuck with me ultimately i don't have to talk about anything i don't want to talk about and um you know, I, I think for a minute, I just kind of got stuck there thinking that there was something that I had to do. And it wasn't until I had a conversation with one of the best podcast production managers out there. This is uh, Randy Chapman at Wordy Productions, uh, where she kind of pointed me in the right direction and helped me figure out what exactly I'm trying to say um, and what I feel comfortable sharing. So I'm going to honor some boundaries by not exposing too much or burning myself out like I did previously um, or pushing myself beyond what I'm capable of. Um, which is hilarious because it really ties into what I'm talking about today. Um, so in this episode, I'm going to discuss three things that uh, working on or rebuilding my car has taught me. Um, some things that it showed me and some things that it revealed about myself. Um, this has been a long time coming. Um, I have owned this car that's going to be the center of my conversation today 
for well over four years, five years. Um, and in my quest to kind of get back to myself, Noble's death has basically triggered me. Um, and I talk a lot about the ways that it triggered me, but not necessarily the ways that it inspired me. So I'm going to dive into that today. One of the things that it exposed was the fact that I'm always trying to fix everything but myself. It's kind of easier to do that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it hasn't been working out the way that I thought it would. So let's get into it. All right. I promise you that it's going to come together. Okay. Um, so my car is a 1978 Monte Carlo. All right. So here's a little bit of history behind the Monte Carlo. Now this actually originated um, or was created out of a necessity to combat against Ford. All right. So Ford had a two door luxury car called the Thunderbird. All right. These things are still on the road now. And they were, they were a very popular car and have been selling well since like the mid 1950s. And it's basically forced all the other car brands like Pontiac and Buick to make better cars. Um, so they would compete with cars like the GTO. This is one of those cars that you could find in, um, triple X. Uh, they had one. Vin Diesel had one at the end. It was like his spy car Forrest Gump. Jenny had hopped in one when she was like getting on the highway to go do some stuff and run across the country. Um, the original design of the Monte Carlo was actually based on the 1967 Cadillac Eldorado. All right. It was actually, a direct ripoff of the color, uh, the, the Eldorado. Um, the only difference was the Chevy just kind of changed the headlights because why create something original at that point? Cadillac was known as basically like the luxury car and Chevy was trying to find some of that. Um, so what they did was they just ripped it off from somebody else somewhere along the line, uh, while they were, I'm sorry, actually in development of the car, it was actually originally named the Concurse, like C O N. C-U-R-S, which was just not a good name. And somewhere along the line, before the car was sold to the public, they changed the name of it to something more luxurious sounding. And some American figured, hey, you know what? We'll call this the Monte Carlo and name it off of the place that's in like the south of France. I don't know how they landed on that, but that's where they ended up. Um, the car actually sold really, really well in the first two years. And over time through the 70s, the Monte Carlo got like upgrades here and there, you know, they put front seats that could like swivel captain's chairs where you could like turn the chair and stand up out of the car. So you wouldn't have to turn your body, um, power windows, air conditioning, all that stuff, leather seats. This was before that was normal to have in your car. But the car, in my opinion, wasn't the best looking until they made them in 1978. All right. And that's the year that I got now a little bit more. So there was like a gas crisis in the seventies and Japanese cars, um, became like better options because of like their gas mileage and reliability and affordability. And Chevy didn't have none of that. There was no good gas mileage or reliability or affordability. Chevy was not those people. Um, and so a couple years passed and eventually they just discontinued the car altogether. It did get, um, get popular again in the early eighties. Um, 83, they got like a major redesign because of NASCAR. One of the most popular models that are still on the road today, especially in the South, are the 83s to 86s. Um, a lot of rappers from the South have these. Um, uh, Big Crit, one of my favorite rappers, has one. Uh, I think Carlos Miller, one of the, the comedians and host of uh, the 85 South podcast. I know, I think he has a Monte Carlo. Desi Banks, the comedian, pretty sure his is 86. Um, these are the ones that people see the most, and they were actually made popular by Dale Earnhardt. Um, if you don't know who that is, it's perfectly fine. The only reason why I know is because when I was younger, we didn't have cable sometimes. So a little bit of Mikey history. I got into NASCAR because our cable was out one time. Uh, my big sister and I, we used to watch NASCAR races 
on like channel 11 i think i don't know and my older sister would root for jeff gordon who drove like the 24 car and i would root for like the black number car because i thought it was cool it was number three then i found out he had a son who drove the number eight car which was budweiser i didn't know nothing about what was going on so i just like picked my favorite um and i just like followed it at that point but um at this point in nascar all of the cars were monte carlos but i never really paid attention to that as a kid in 1988 that was like the last production year and then they started making a whole bunch of ugly ones when they came back and like it was just bad they actually renamed it something else um the lumina i think yeah so 1995 all right they bring it back again and now it's been restyled and eventually in 2004 uh Chevy redesigned them to kind of look like they did back in the days. These are the Monte Carlos that can still be found on the road today. I think I got two neighbors that has one. Um, the headlights are kind of shaped like a Chevy logo. They got like the curvy hips on the back. And most of them are usually black SS Monte Carlos um, based on Dale Earnhardt or they're red based on Dale Earnhardt Jr. who drove that number eight car. So like it all came full circle in some kind of way. And they officially discontinued in 2007 when Chevy decided to focus all their energy on the Camaro. And then that started the whole trail of things where they just focused on, um, they were building up the Camaro and that's when, uh, the Transformers movies became super popular. They redesigned those and they kept reselling them and everybody and their mother wanted a Camaro. So yeah, that's a little bit of history on the Monte Carlo in general. But one of the reasons why this car meant anything at all to me was because uh, I'm a movie person and I was really into movies when I was younger. One of my favorite movies of all time, which I've talked about multiple times, is Training Day. In Training Day, uh, Denzel Washington plays a crooked cop. And at the very beginning of the movie, I think it was in the first 10, 12 minutes, um, he takes this new trainee and he walks across the street from a diner into this beautiful black car. He starts it up and in comes the beginning of Still Dre, one of like Dr. Dre's greatest songs in the history of his music, which is hilarious because it was written by Jay-Z. Um, another fun fact, uh, another one of my favorite rappers. And I never got that scene of the car lifting up on hydraulics and backing out of that driveway out of my head. Like it's been stuck in my head since I was a child. I've always loved it. And one of the reasons why it mattered to me, because I figured one day when I get an old school, that was going to be the first one I get. I have a long list, y'all. I think about 30 cars that I'm super into. And that was always number one on the list. Now, I have a big cousin who I love. Right? He's one of uh, one of the most welcoming family members of mine on my father's side. Um, I didn't necessarily have the greatest history of being super close with everybody on my father's side, but I had an uncle, my uncle Winston, and he had kids and all of his kids were like the nicest people that I ever met in my life. My cousin Heather, I love her to death. My cousin Hugh Haslin, I love them. And then I met my cousin Quasey, call him Chess. Now, Chess drove a car and I never paid close attention to it at all until one day he pulled up and I, I realized what I was looking at. And it was a 1978 Monte Carlo Landau. And this was the year where they put leather seats in, the first year that they got power windows and air conditioning, all those things that I listed before, except those swiveling seats. And I begged him. I said, look, the moment you are ready to sell this car, please let me know. This had to be 07. I was in high school. I didn't have no money. There was no actual plan to buy this car. Um, and so I just kind of like left it alone. I still like scour the internet every once in a while. When I did get some money, I had bought bikes. I bought cars. Life went on and 
eventually I was like, you know, when I get my old school, I just get it when I'm like rich and I can like fix it up or I'll just buy it finished or something like that. But one day I had reached out to my cousin. I was just checking in on him. And he like uh, he said he was about to call me because he was thinking about selling his car. And I said, before you sell it, give it to me. Now, at this point in my account, I believe I had eighty three dollars like total. I think like me and Randy had just paid bills. At this point, we were living in like our townhouse that we were running. Um, like I'm pretty sure it was less than $90 and I needed that for groceries or whatever. But I was like, if I can just figure out how to like, I'll make payments. I, I told him, I was like, you know, we can figure out a pay schedule, like whatever number I'll do it. And he just told me to come and we talked for a minute and he just gave me the car. Um, I will share some pictures of this day, but I just couldn't believe it. He just gave me the car and he's like, give me $2 so that we can put it on the paper that I sold it to you. And so I got this car from one of my closest cousins and he told me a little bit of history behind it. He actually told me that, um, he taught, uh, my paternal grandfather, he was teaching them and giving them lessons in this car and teaching them how to drive. Um, so this car had actually been in my family since the early eighties, late seventies. And that to me was like the coolest thing ever. I never planned to give this thing up. But I did not actually have the mechanical know-how to fix this damn car. The work that I've done on cars has been very limited to brake replacement, uh, oil changes. I can change out your radio and I can put speakers in with the help of other family members. Um, other than that, uh, flesh and fluids. That's, that's all I got. But um, I wanted to take this and turn this into a project of something that I could build up. I get the car from him. A whole bunch of things happen. Fast forward to everything that we've talked about through the podcast. We... Ended up uh, trying for our first child. We lost that child. We ended up uh, getting pregnant again. Job loss. We ended up leaving our apartment, moving into the back cave. This entire time, y'all, the Monte Carlo has been there. My car has been there through this entire thing, but I have not had the ability to, or I guess the energy to uh, put anything into it to actually start working on this car until recently. I came back from a trip with Randy and this was shortly after the memorial of Noble's uh, birthday. And I just wanted to fix something. Like I just, I got this urge to do it. I ended up talking to my sister's boyfriend, all right, who happens to own the exact same year make and model of this car and knows it like the back of his hand. He's also a mechanic and happens to have tools. And so at some point you just got to kind of like look at all the signs and say, you know what, things are aligning. I'm just going to pay attention to this. And I asked him to help me. Now, I've asked people for years. Um, I have a lot of friends who work on cars, bikes, who are mechanics, um, uncles. And I said, hey, you know, just tell me what to do. Or help point me in the right direction. Or what should I be looking at? Where should I start? All I know is I have a car that doesn't run. Like, if you tell me to do something, I'll try it. And I just I've been begging for help for the longest. And it just wasn't happening. Like, no one wanted to just come and look at the car and say, hey, this is the thing that you should fix until this gentleman. Um, I didn't ask him if I could say his name. So for now, I'll just refer to him as Jay. Um, Jay has decided to come by. He said, yeah, I'll come by. He came by the next day. I had never, I had, it's, it's, it was so weird dealing with somebody who was like consistent and followed through on their word. Cause it had been a minute. Um, and he looked over the car in 10 minutes and told me literally every single thing that was wrong with it and everything that we would have to do to get it running. And it pissed me off. Like I got, deeply angry um, because the way he outlined it and I was like, all right, maybe he's exaggerating. Maybe I don't need to get upset about this. But the way he laid it out for me was that this could be a two week process and we could get this car running. And in total, fast forward to the future, it took about three weeks to get this thing running, not including the week that we had to wait for parts. So like 
it really didn't take that long just to get it back on the road. Now, it still has more things um, and I'm excited to show you all what that looks like. But I'm really, really excited about the fact that this thing that had been neglected ultimately for all this time, something that really meant a lot to me, but I didn't really show it because I didn't have the capacity to or I didn't have the help that I needed or I hadn't put myself out there in a the way that I needed to to get that help was finally getting some TLC. And actually, if you want to know a little bit about what that process looks like, you can actually check out our Discord channel. So on Discord, we do have a channel in there called The Garage. And if oh you're not aware of our Discord, join our Patreon. Um, we basically talk about everything. We do have a garage there and I share updates, images, videos. Um, I'll share a couple, obviously, with everybody so you can see what's going on um, following the release of this episode. But man, it was it has been really, really great. And honestly, the process as as difficult as it wasn't, um, it was still hard. All right. So um, ultimately, what I had to do was take the old gas tank out because it had old gas from the 2000s. Um, I don't know if you know what color gas is supposed to be. It should be clear, maybe yellow. This one was red. It was red and brown with a little bit of green. I had to take out the old tank, put a new one in, take out the fuel pump, replace some brake lines, bleed some brake lines. I had to change out spark plugs and uh, what else was it? Uh, that was really it. That was that was basically it. I had to change gas lines. And now she runs. This old 78 car runs quietly it's dead silent um throughout the process I also learned that i have like a v8 which is a really powerful engine and i love it I absolutely love it at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. But the process, while, again, you know, while easy was still difficult, it, it, it took time. Uh, I had to schedule some time with this man so that we could like get under the car so that we could get the tools so that we could loosen things pull out stuff stuff didn't really fit the way that it was supposed to but it felt good just getting my hands dirty and being able to fix something I, i've had this need to fix things for a while and i'll talk a little bit about what working on this car has essentially like uh shown me and make me realize one of the main things was that it just triggered thoughts during random randy's pregnancy um one of the things that I hated the most about when Randy was pregnant with Noble was the fact that I just could not help. There was nothing that I could do other than constantly, you know, like drown my wife in water and tell her to continue to drink water so that uh, Noble had water or to make sure that she was on bed rest or didn't overexert herself. Like I really there was nothing I could do with my hands. Uh it was it was weird. I don't know if if, uh, if you ever seen the movie Talladega Nights where um, Will Ferrell is like giving an interview and this is his first interview and he's like I don't know what to do with my hands. That's kind of how I felt. Um, felt useless really, and so having the ability to just kind of see a problem, find out what the part issue is, find out where to get the new one and then replace it, felt really fucking good. But one of the things, uh, I have three things total that working on this car has shown me. And the first thing was that this car was a literal physical representation of me abandoning myself. Um, all I require is 
a little bit of effort scheduling some time parts, if you will, so that I can get myself running right again. Um, but for the longest, I was doing other shit, uh, working on other people, helping other things so much so that I had just kind of been like riding away. I gained mad weight. I wasn't doing anything of interest. Uh, it was just work. It was just work, wake, repeat. And honestly, it that, that is just no way to live. And that's not what I envisioned my life would be. And that is what it became. Um, and I, and it, it irritates me because it didn't have to be that way. Similar to with this damn car. All right. It didn't have to be that way. It didn't take a whole bunch of work. It didn't take uh, thousands of dollars and taking it to a shop for someone to fix it. It took three weeks and some parts and some elbow grease. Um, another thing. And the second thing that it showed me was, um, before I was a man, before I was uh, a husband, a father, I was a kid with interest. And this was always at the top. You know, I've always loved cars. I just gave you all a history lesson on this car like a nerd because I care about this shit. This is these are things that I was into. And life is messy. You know, life can be painful. Life can be fun. Life can be exciting. But sometimes you have to take some time to just kind of wade through all that shit and just look back on like, who were you and what were you into at a time when you were like really happy and how can you tap back into that again? Um, because it felt really, really good to just get back into something that I've always loved and then find out that my daughter is into it as well. Like my daughter saying, daddy, your car is cool. When she first heard it crank up or when she got to sit in it, because now it's cobweb free. Um, it doesn't have club flyers from 2007 <laughs> in the floor she can breathe in it. Like that did something to my spirit. It felt really, really good. So, um, yeah, you know, like I I'm starting to understand a lot, a lot more because of the practice of what Randy means when she's doing stuff for little Rand. Um, cause little Mikey had, has been heavily neglected because honestly I ain't had time for that nigga. I've been, I've been working. Um, and if I don't, then big Mikey and all the people that depend on big Mikey suffer, but damn it feeding into little Mikey feels good. And I've learned that it actually doesn't hurt or kill everyone who still needs big Mikey. I'm still working on that part. But, um, lastly, the last thing that it showed me was, or that it, you know, it, it brought to light was that, um, now that I've started, why do I think it's been sitting there? Um, like, why did it take me so long to get to this point? And the answer that I gave myself is that I've been overthinking, which is just not me. I am a do things person. I like to do shit. I, I always have. But for, I don't know, call it a trauma response, call it just pain of loss, grief, whatever you want to call it. I've just been in this space where I've been frozen really since the first loss so shortly into my marriage. And I've been trying to just do things carefully and super calculated. And if it doesn't really follow that plan, then I don't know if I want to expose myself to that because I can't really take much more pain and hurt because losing a child y'all is not, I wouldn't wish that shit on my worst enemy. And it happened to my best friend, you know, and it happened to me. And so I don't know. I, I got into this space where I'm just really, really in my head. Like this shit sounds really simple, right? Like there was something that you used to be into. Go back to it. Try it out. See if it still makes you happy. Oh, you discovered that it did. You didn't need to waste time thinking about that. But like, that's just not how 
this worked out. A lot of shit got in the way, a lot of life, a lot of mess. Um, but it does really feel good to get back to myself in a healthy way. Um, because not all of young Mikey was a problem, you know, uh, young Paul was an issue, but not all of young Mikey, uh, was a bad person. There was that little kid who didn't know shit about NASCAR, but was like that car looked kind of hard. Um, so yeah, as I continue to work on and build on this car, I'm pretty sure that my Indies are going to kind of follow the theme of what I'm learning throughout these builds. And I might tie that into, again, just me as a father and me as a husband. But this has been um, one of the most transformative things that I've done in years. And it's simple, right? It's, It's just replacing some metal on like a machine. But the effect that it's had on my spirit just to be able to see something that had been broken down, uh, with moss all over it, you know, rusty, a bucket, just seeing it get some new life and realizing that it wasn't dead at all. It was just unloved. It was unnurtured. It was neglected Um, to see that get some love, you know, get some nurture and wake up. I don't know. Maybe that means that I might be all right. The next part of this episode is my head nod segment. And in this segment, again, this is where I highlight uh, someone who is special. Usually uh, I'm going to usually take this time to just highlight a dad, a man that I think is um, doing something that is very, very impactful. Now, this person um, is somebody that's very, very special to me. All right. He is my brother. All right. Brandon Anthony Nathaniel Griffith. All right. Brandon, I've mentioned in previous stories um, when I was a kid, we got into trouble together a lot. Brandon is my cousin, but he is my brother. Um, I am super close with this man. I love him very dearly. Brandon, when we were younger, we used to get into all types of shit together. When we got older, you know, life, you know, will take people in opposite directions. But somehow we always find our way back to each other. Um, When I was in high school, Brandon was one of the people who I both loved and hated playing basketball with. My cousin would do shit like dribble right past half court and throw up three point shots. And this was 07, 08. This was well before Curry was like even a thing. He would make them shits. And I hated him so much when he wasn't on my team. And when he was on my team, I loved it. I just loved seeing it. Brandon was my hero. All right. Brandon played basketball in high school and I just knew like he was just gonna just knew he would be great and always looked at him like he was great when uh and and, uh I want to make sure I'm getting these like dates right we were in college and my cousin my brother was shot attempted robbery um shot in the chest and he was hospitalized nearly lost him and that to me was the last time I was never going to not see my cousin again. Right. Like I tried my best to make sure I stayed connected, even with all the things that was going on in life. Um, and he did the same as well, but again, life takes us in other directions. Um, actually coming out of high school, I believe my, my cousin tore his, uh, he tore his ACL. And I don't know if that was the end of his hoop dreams, but I know that that definitely had an effect on him paired that with the near death experience. And I've had a couple of those and, um, it can take a toll on you. Like my cousin, as great as I see him, has had a hard time. He's had it rough. He had his first child when we were in college, 
beautiful baby girl who I love. I won't say her name either because I don't have permission. Um, who I love, but love from a distance because, you know, life separates people. But um, when uh, my wife told me that she was pregnant, we found out that she was pregnant with my first son. I knew exactly who I wanted to be the godfather of my little boy. And I went and I reached out to my brother, my cousin, and I asked him, would you be my baby's godfather? And he said, yes. And I cried. I was very, very excited about it. I was happy about it. And even in losing him, my cousin, my brother showed up. He gave me love. He gave me comfort. He wrapped his arms around me. And he actually was one of the reasons why I was able to kind of pull myself away from smoking as much as I was, pull myself away from drinking as much as I was, because I didn't feel lonely. Like I didn't feel like I needed to dive into those depths in that way um, to self-sabotage, to hurt myself, to hurt my family further in a time where we're already not okay. And I will always love and appreciate him for that. My cousin, my brother, recently had a son of his own born in the greatest month ever, February, shortly after my birthday. And my cousin asked me to be the godfather. And I am so proud to say that I got a godson. All right. I love you, Brandon. Um, if you are hearing this, um, I just want you to know that you are the shit. All right. And that will never change. As far as I am concerned, you are one of the greatest people I have ever known, will ever know. And I love the fuck out of you. All right. That's it. It's my head knife for today. Love you, bro. All right. I'm going to leave you with this. Okay. Life, life's. That's that's your Mikey quote for today. Life is going to life. Now, you'd be justified in continuing to blame it on, you know, the Virgo that raised you for the fact that you spend more time fixing other people's shit than your own. That's just a shot at Virgos because it's Virgo season. But I love you, mommy. Um, There's no reason to continue blaming Virgos for all your problems or uh, Zodiac signs in general at all. Um, Take this as a sign to go do that thing. That thing that's been nagging you in the back of your head, that thing that you've been putting off that you really had a great idea about trying or starting or doing. And then you made up some excuse or reason as to why you shouldn't. Um, If you are a 35 year old man and you always were interested in the ballet and now you think that you can't go to an intro class, they got them. If you are a woman who has always been interested in mechanics and you have no idea how to do anything, go ask somebody if you can change the tire. Start looking on YouTube and watching videos. It doesn't actually take as much as we think it does we put a lot of our energy and time and effort into other people's shit we can do the same for hours and i'm only saying this to you because i said it to myself first All right. All right. The Black Millennial Marriage Podcast is hosted and co-produced by Mikey and Randy Chapman. All episodes of the Black Millennial Marriage Podcast are edited by Randy Chapman at Wordy Productions. We are now and still available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and all your favorite streaming services. Rate us five stars and nothing less or else. Now I'm just messing with you, um, but please, we would appreciate it. To support us, see what we're up to, hang out, and just basically be involved in this community that we've built, check out our Patreon. Join us at patreon.com slash Marriage. There you'll get access to our Discord channel, unedited episodes, ad-free episodes, Zoom meetings, game nights, and more. You'll be able to check out um, that garage that I was telling you all about. Follow us on social media platforms on Instagram. We are Black Millennial Marriage. On Facebook, Black Millennial Marriage Podcast. And on Twitter, 
we are at underscore the Chapmans. Or if you just want to follow myself, that's at Mikey underscore XXI on IG. Thank you again for listening, y'all. As always, be blessed, don't settle, and fight clean. Peace. I'm about to let the fuse. I just need me a cup. I'm a pour me the juice. I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice. I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice. Hello. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.